This is 15 Minutes to Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Idell, and today's episode is a book review of The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. So in today's episode, as I do so often, I'm going to review the book that I read this past week. And admittedly, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior is one of the most impactful books I believe you will ever read. So I want to make sure I explain why that is. So The Way of the Peaceful Warrior is a little bit different of a read for me. I typically read uh, you know, mindset books or business books or things like that. Never do I gravitate towards a quote-unquote fictional book. You know, It just doesn't make sense to me. It, it, it's, it's not what I'm after. However, I saw at some point someone post about this book online. I'm going to guess it was you know, Tommy Baker or Brandon James Duncan or somebody that I follow that I'm connected with or part of Wake Up Warrior or, or their own coaching group. Somebody took a screenshot on Instagram and posted this particular book. And The Way of the Peaceful Warrior is a book by a guy named Dan Millman. And the book takes place in the early 1960s. And it, it processes through the story of Dan Millman, actually the, the writer of the book, who is going to college, is incredibly accomplished inside the sport of gymnastics, and is looking to expand his mindset and his ability outside the scope of just gymnastics. Now, it doesn't sound too sexy, I'm sure, right? I mean, what, what fun is it to read a book, in my opinion, about gymnastics and someone's trials and tribulations, where the book ends up taking a pretty significant, I'll call it right turn, almost immediately out of the gate. This book ends up getting into this incredibly philosophical journey of Dan, who begins going to this gas station late at night. He's up one night, he can't sleep, he goes for a walk, and almost through you know, the, the power of connection, the power of osmosis, whatever you want to call it, Dan walks past this gas station by UC Berkeley, and it's after midnight, and there's this gray-haired gentleman inside that ends up seemingly jumping from the ground onto the roof of this gas station. And he does this, and, and Dan ends up calling this guy Socrates. Now, Dan doesn't know his name. Dan never throughout this book really knows who Socrates is. What he knows is that Socrates has something special about him. So he eventually starts calling him Sock, S-O-C. And in this book, Socrates ends up being this philosopher that's connected to, I'll say, a universal oneness is a term that I say quite often. And Socrates is that man. Socrates takes Dan from these lessons, as a, I believe it starts as a sophomore in college, all the way to nine years post-graduation. And those first three years, while, while Dan is still in college, he takes him through a series of life lessons that range from how you handle anger and emotion into meditation and spirituality and understanding what you put in your body and what that actually means and how... You do one thing is how you do everything. And eventually breaking down many of the limiting beliefs that Dan's caring about himself and the fact that he's defined by his success inside the gymnastics arena only. What Socrates ends up doing is he has this ability to almost transport Dan into different places where Dan can start to feel and experience different ways of life. Now, as the book takes its twists and turns. I don't want to ruin all the, the fun for you. I mean, it is a very easy read. I don't even think it took me a whole week. It's under 200 pages. 
But as the book takes its twists and turns and gets more towards the end, so Dan has now graduated college. Dan's gotten married. Dan is in a loveless relationship, has a daughter, ends up traveling, knows he made a mistake. And Socrates has told Dan, don't come back for eight to ten years. You have to go find yourself. I've taught you everything I can teach you. Go. And in that time, Dan has no idea why. Like Socrates has been his, his mentor, spent more days with him than apart from him over this three-year period. And Dan's confused. He's beside himself. And Dan eventually bounces around, goes from teaching in a college of all places, California, which is you know, one of my favorite states, and then comes and starts teaching at a school in Ohio, a college in Ohio, which is, again, irony of the, of the book, not any sort of, uh, I guess, true connection. But in this, as Dan's bouncing around, he gets the opportunity as a college professor teaching gymnastics, he gets this opportunity to travel the world. He gets to take a six-month sabbatical and go learn more skills that he can come back and share with the school. So in this, he recalls the fact that Socrates has shared with him all these different places he can go to, you know, all these different places that Socrates has been to. So Dan thinks that following this path is going to somehow lead him back to this enlightenment that Socrates has, has referenced. Well, the six-month hiatus passes, and Dan comes home and realizes he's in a loveless marriage, moves back to California with his wife. They're there for a handful of months. They end up getting divorced. And now Dan doesn't know what to do. So Dan retreats to the Sierra Nevada mountains, somewhere where he remembers Socrates sharing with him. And as he's there, eventually, almost like magic, Socrates shows up and takes Dan through this final powerful spiritual awakening where they ascend a hill and they get to this big clearing. And it's this, this story of ancient Indian civilizations that have lived there and passed on. And that, that there's this magnitude of this site that it means something. And in this meaning of this site, there's a cave they walk into and the cave ends up twisting and turning and they're, they're there and they can't see because it's dark and it's raining and there's thunder and lightning and there's all this emotion that builds up in the situation. And eventually Socrates is able to put his hands on the side of Dan's temple and almost help Dan go to sleep. But in the sleep-like state, it's something that I would call theta. Dan isn't really asleep. He's in this lucid dreaming environment in which... He's walking himself through actually Socrates t kicking him out of the cave and him tumbling to his death, being trounced around and bouncing off of rocks and his body laying lifeless. And then the birds picking apart his skin and the ants and the, the, the worms and everything eventually tearing down his body. And he can feel this connection to the earth now because he realizes that as this is happening, he is now part of the world in a different way. That death and life are this conundrum where we view them to be one way, but really we're all connected. Where the energy that Dan emits in his human form is really no different once he passes on to the next life. It just goes into a different form. Where through the de decomposition of his body, now some of his energy and some of his life is with the birds and some are with the ants and some is, are with the soil and some are with the worms. And look at all this. And then Dan wakes up and it's no longer raining and it's morning and, and Socrates is sitting there and they now start to laugh because after all this, Dan starts his journey as this, I'll imagine it to be 19-year-old college sophomore who's one of the best on his team at gymnastics, is arrogant, is 
angry, doesn't understand any of the way the real world actually works. And by the time the book concludes, Dan starts to realize not only is meditation valuable and what you put in your body incredibly valuable and how you let anger or emotions not dictate your state of mind, but it eventually gets into the fact that he realizes that we're all connected and energy just transfers from one source to another. So this magic thought of fearing death and, and living life, it's, it's all intertwined. As I'm reading this, and many of you that have listened for quite some time realize I'm part of something called Wake Up Warrior. Wake Up Warrior is founded by a guy named Garrett J. White. Wake Up Warrior, we believe, oddly enough, many of the things in this book to be 100% true. It's a belief system that I've now developed and, and cultivated on my own over the past three years, more heavily in the past year with Wake Up Warrior. But again, my morning routine of a green smoothie and sweating and meditation and journaling, letters of appreciation to those that I care about, reading a business book and then sharing that with the world or, or someone so that I can get out of me and into them, and just creating this dynamic that allows continual daily growth. It's incredible. Because this book takes place in 1960 and was written in 1980. And in the back of the book, Dan goes down his path of what it took to actually get this book published. That back then they didn't have self-publishing. So Dan started out in the late 70s trying to get the book published. He struggled tooth and nail to get somebody to pick it up. It got picked up for six months and then fell flat on its face. Then another publishing house fell flat on its face. Then the third one, someone comes to him and says, look, I have 100 bucks. I've been out of the publishing world for eight or 10 years, but I see so much value in this book. I'm going to figure out how to publish it for you. And in that, that's how I'm holding the book in my hand today. It's from that same publishing house. And Dan has went on to, to write a series, more, a series of more books that also share additional life lessons and methodologies. But it's crazy to me to see this book written back then and how I've been applying many of the same lessons without having that fictional or even pseudo-fictional connection to why. So this book has opened up my pathways on why many of the things I do actually work. What is the, the mindset deeper behind it, even deeper than I had previously went? So I have a, a list of books that I think are must-reads, and I've shared those with you on previous episodes. But The Way of the Peaceful Warrior is just one of those books that for the lessons and the magnitude of what's in it, I would be remiss not to encourage you to pause this episode, hop on Amazon, and buy this thing for nine bucks. The value that I got out of it, nine dollars seems almost criminal that that's all they charge for this book. And so in that, when you read the book, and you start applying some of the messages that come from it, you'll realize that every day, you're able to get shit done. Hey guys, Ryan here. Thanks for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume audio and subscribe to 15 Minutes to Freedom. If this brought you value, please do me a favor and drop me a five-star rating then share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. For additional content, head over to ryannidell.com. That's R-Y-A-N-N-I-D-D-E-L.com.